Hey everybody, welcome to the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm your host, Tim Mitra, and I am joined from Whitby, Ontario. Come on, Tim, you can do this. Well, I was letting you go with it, letting you run with it. You were doing so well. I know, but... Uh, anyway, that's happen. Aaron over there in Whitby, Ontario. And hey, we're how's also, it going? We're also joined by, hey, how's it going, uh, Jaime Lopez? How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and we're joined once again this week by Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Ding. Okay. How is it going? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> Pretty good. Nobody so, knows how it's going. going. Yeah. Okay. It's good. So to begin with, we're uh, we're going to do a couple of follow up items. Um, one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was Aaron had uh, found an article about um, the Apple Car, that uh, rumored Apple Car, um, which is following close on the heels of the rumored Apple Watch, um, and it seems to be. Quite a few people are talking about it now. I think we, we initially thought that, that it may be something other than what maybe a mapping tool or something like that to take on the Google Maps. But I think I'm going to let Aaron run with this. Yeah, and, well, let's uh, be clear here. Yep. Um, I don't know or I'm not even sure I believe that the, uh, the Dodge Caravan with gear mounted above it um, is related to the Apple car that everyone is talking about right now. I don't. I don't know that Apple is making a, a, a minivan, right? <laughs> um, but you know, when we first heard this this rumor that um, that Apple's making its own car, I think the initial reaction uh, is a perfectly sane one. It's obviously not true. Uh, but this this article that uh, we'll have in the show notes from Neil Seibart at Above Avalon. Uh, he's an he's an Apple analyst, an independent analyst, and uh, he writes fairly regularly about Apple and uh, uh, more often actually about their financial performance. Uh, he's sort of a uh, financial analyst style writer, but this this article that he published yesterday um, really lays out for me everything that we know about what Apple is doing and preparing um, for this putative effort to create a car, which. You know, why would Apple do that? I don't know, but it seems that they are. Now, we saw this uh, article from the Wall Street Journal last week. Uh, it was backed up by uh, a confirmation from Bloomberg and Reuters, I believe. And they've got all of this information about Apple's efforts to make a car. Um, they and, and he's listed it out here. So they've got a team of senior managers in a secret location. Um, they've got... Uh, relationships set up with European automobile contract manufacturers. They've been steadily hiring people from the automotive industry. Um, and then uh, talking about their focus on electric vehicles. Um, and and as distinct from autonomous automobiles. So are they, are they making electric cars or self-driving cars? And it seems that they're focusing on electric cars. I don't know why you couldn't have an electric self-driving car, but th- there it is. Um, so why why would Apple do that? Um, and I think his reasoning is interesting and something to think about. And it's it's a pattern that we've seen from Apple again and again. You know, they look at a market um, that has you know a significant uh, install base, say like cell phones or MP3 players, but where everybody's been doing it poorly, right? And um, Apple is famously uh, <laughs> maybe not that famously, but it's 
pretty well known that there are a lot of car aficionados inside of Apple, um, not the least of whom is Johnny Ive, uh, who is a big car fan. Um, and there was actually, sort of a, as a side topic here, a terrific um, article about him in uh, the New Yorker magazine uh, this weekend, this last week. And it was just a, a, a beautiful, uh, long story about about Johnny Ive and the work he's, he's been doing lately uh, leading up to the launch of the Apple Watch. And uh, I would really recommend that. I should put a link in the show notes yeah, for we'll you do there. Yeah, we'll do that, because uh, it had a, a really good, uh, on-point, uh, incisive analysis of Apple as it is right now. So it was really good. And in that article, it actually talks about Johnny Ive talking about cars. Um, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but there it is. Uh, they have a lot of interesting cars. Uh, and they no doubt feel that they can do a better job than the industry has been doing so far. It's just really interesting, too, that, you know, he lays out also the difficulties that Apple would have in bringing a car to market. And, you know, that's the first thing everybody reaches for. You know, like, they can't do it because dot, dot, dot. You know, manufacturing is a huge problem. Well, turns out that, you know, they could have these contract manufacturers make cars for them. Um, Safety, uh, personalization, uh, shipping, maintenance, all those things that um, Apple just, you know, isn't in there yet. But the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of those same sorts of doubts were expressed when Apple was thought to be building a cell phone, and they overcame them, you know? Um, and so there's no reason to think that they couldn't overcome it this time, too. I guess the only question that really remains for me is, why would they do it, you know? I think we could agree that, you know, if you know we just set reality aside for a moment and think about what an apple car would be like we could maybe come up with some specifics but on the whole i think we would all agree it would probably be a good thing hmm. trademark you know um <laughs> <laughs> that apple lawyers on the phone yeah yeah um that it would probably work out pretty well like apple would know how to make a good car i'm i'm sure that they would you know they wouldn't do it unless they could kill it right and I should hasten to add that. I'm not a car guy myself, but I recognize that there could be a lot of good things done to the automobile industry. And Apple is a company that can demonstrate or that has demonstrated that they're very capable of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and you were mentioning earlier that uh, the thing about the GM uh, executives thinking that they shouldn't get into that market. But it's interesting because, I mean, like you said, it's the same sort of speculative thought that comes up when you hear Apple building watches or getting into, I said it before about getting into the phone market. I, I kind of asked the same question when I first heard about the Apple getting involved with phones, you know, why would they like, you know, it's such a, such a messy, you know, uh, market to begin with. Why would they get in there? And, and, you know, the whole car market, it's, you know, it's entrenched with all kinds of, uh, it's got, you know, heaped with history of bad ideas, you know, companies thinking that, you know, the, Deciding what the client customer wants and putting that into a car and then, and then giving salespeople a job to sell it to them, right? Whereas, you know, Apple takes things a completely different way. You know, they're more about the experience and the, and the lifestyle approach to things, you know. So, you know, maybe they'll convince people who don't have cars to buy cars. Maybe they'll buy cars simply because it has an Apple logo on it, you know. Maybe. It's, it's an interesting thing. So Apple always makes sort of luxury items that, that people can still generally afford, right? Yeah. Um, exactly. But to make a luxury car, now you're talking about a price point of, you know, between fifty and $100,000 for it to actually be a luxury car. 
and and most people can't afford that. So so it would be interesting. I mean, would Apple get into a low end car market? I, I kind of doubt it. Uh, but yet, you know, there's there's a pretty limited customer base for the higher end. Well, it's interesting. 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 I just went to. We just had the. We have the Canadian uh, International Auto Show on right now downtown, and I went there with with my my son and my grandson. My grand, you know, so I went around and looked at what's there, and I, I posted a couple of things on Vine. And was interesting. One of the pieces I looked at was a, a car from Toyota called an iMove or something like that, or iDrive or iRoad or something crazy like that. And it's a little one one or two person vehicle. That's all computerized, all driven driven by wire, and it, and it actually tilts when it goes around corners, and it's like you know, sort of the car of the future, if you will. And, and there was a number of um, you know prototype type vehicles there at the show that that are more about you know the the, uh, the technology of where where driving is going, as opposed to, and it's more about you know more computerization, more you know. Uh, accident detection, you know, fuel economy, all that kind of stuff, and that which drives itself towards a self-driving car. I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about the the Apple Car rumors and and whether Apple would get into it or not, and what infrastructure is required to make a self-driving car because it's more than just you know being able to detect the edge of the road. I mean, we took, one of my picks a couple of weeks ago was the Anki Drive thing, where basically the car has artificial intelligence built into it, and it detects the road on on a specially printed. Um, map or a racetrack, that you, racetrack yeah that you print yeah. out right and then yeah. who knows what the technology whether there's embedded fibers in the in the in the road track or is, is it the color of the the road if it was then people would be printing their own tracks and that kind of stuff but you know the sort of infrastructure that's required behind trust me i would love to have a self-driving car just get you know just that's why uber is such an, a popular thing with people who don't necessarily own vehicles right um, you know, I'm sure Mark, who has to drive to L.A. Or, or up in San Francisco, would love to have a self-driving vehicle if that was a possibility, right? Sure. I'll uh, drive to L.A., but... but well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I just want to correct myself <laughs> but, and said yeah. San Francisco. I know I know when you have to go to San Francisco, it's a, it's a couple of hours, right? Not, well, it's an hour. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a, it's a yep. trek. I mean, you know... Anyway. Yeah, anyway, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, my point is... my point is Geography this, lessons with Tim. <laughs> yeah. But this is... This is, this is a, and, and everybody in Toronto who, other than, you know, Aaron and myself who work at our houses, they're, it, they're involved in like an hour, an hour and a half, two hour commute every morning. And then and the same thing on the way home at night, you know. Um, it's, it's crazy. And I'm sure... I know LA is just a big parking lot, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. But leaving aside, I mean, that, that question of whether autonomous vehicles are in the future, and yeah. I guess they are in, in many years some way, whether it's Google or someone else that does it. And I don't know that Apple is going to do it, but I think your earlier point, Tim, was interesting because pointing out about that, that Toyota car mm-hmm. um, being all computerized, and I think that is a huge indicator as to why Apple might be doing this. Yeah, right? yeah. Because if, if software is the biggest experience in a car, well, then <laughs> Apple is the best at software but you look at software in cars you know as as cars have migrated to larger touch screens as their as their main ui um with gps systems and climate control all in this touch screen environment and um i have personally shied away from that sort of thing in my own car purchasing um history because they are crap they're awful Oh, the, They're just so bad. Yeah, um, yeah. These computerized systems inside cars today are just awful, mm-hmm. um, which explains, I think, why Apple is uh, was at least pushing AirPlay or CarPlay rather um, that technology that uh, sort of integrates your iPhone into the car's infotainment system. Oh, they're, they're still pushing <laughs> but, that, aren't they? I thought they I, yeah, of course they are. But yeah. um, 
I don't know, like I, it doesn't feel like the final solution, right? And I, I, I wonder, um, because you don't really hear too much about it, it's probably because it's mostly uh, deals happening behind the scenes with all the major manufacturers. Um, but looking at that, I wonder if Apple sort of did CarPlay, you know, and said, you know, we could do so much better than this. Like, like we, we could make, a, if we had control of the whole car, we wouldn't have to have to worry about all these incumbent manufacturers and uh, interfacing with their systems and only going part way in terms of what you can do with it. Um, and who knows? The auto industry is, is notoriously slow moving and there's, I oh, mean, yeah. it, it takes years and years and years to get, you know, to get a, a, a new navigation system into a car, let's say. Uh, right. So, so maybe, maybe you hit on it, uh, Aaron, and, and maybe Apple started talking to these, these uh, existing car manufacturers and realize it's going to be 10 years before they get CarPlay into anything in, in any kind of real volume and, and decided at that point, well, why don't we just do it? Yeah, it's possible. Here's, a, here's another interesting twist um, that, that just occurred to me. So I'm sure you've seen all these, these little smart cars that people drive, these tiny little things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody agrees that, you know, they're a good thing, right? They're very good for the environment. You know, they don't take up much space, you know, help with congestion. But when you're driving one of those, you're you're making a statement, right? That you're driving this this little tiny smart car, and and you know you're doing it because you're you know you well there's many reasons, but but you're you're making a choice to be a little bit different when you when you drive one of these things. Now, if anyone could could take that concept and make it into something popular to the masses, it's probably Apple. So maybe they're thinking of something along those lines. It's probably fair to say that almost everyone buys a car to make a statement, right? Like that's all the marketing of automobile sales are really geared towards identity, you know, and we, we choose cars often based on what kind of person we are. Yeah. You're you're making much less of a statement by buying an Accord than you are by buying a smart car, right? Well, you know, in a way, because, you know, sometimes you might buy an Accord because, you know, you want to say, like I would, you know, I don't give a shit about how fancy ass my car is. I want something reliable and um, and not too expensive. Yeah, there were certainly um, a lot of Pintos sold yeah. out there. I was going to say yeah. too that if you if you've worked on any in, on cars, I mean, I mean, in the last twenty years, they've all become computerized to the point where you can't work on them. I mean, you know, twenty years ago when I was buying cars, you know, of my own, I, they you know they had carburetors and you know you could get in there and you could you could fix them and you could monkey around with them but now it's like you need a, a computerized system just to work it so the whole computerization of cars is it goes far beyond it's it's an entire ecosystem of of computer and you know sensors and you know emission control sensors and brake sensors and ABS and all that kind of stuff it's all even the tuning of your car these days is is managed by a computer a badly managed computer but still yeah. you know wouldn't it be awesome when we can do all that online just leave your car in the garage and they just do the tune up. Yeah. On yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, um, one of the, um, often made comparisons here when Apple's talking about building a car is Tesla, right? So you know that Tesla is sort of the, the leading manufacturer of electric vehicles right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people said that Apple should buy Tesla and, you know, obviously take on that sort of manufacturing role, that capability and expertise um, in fact, it seems that um, they tried to do that, but were rebuffed. Uh, a fellow like Elon Musk is probably not amenable to uh, being purchased by someone else. He's a he's a he's a doer, not a not a, a, a follower. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't seem like that was ever going to fly. 
but one of the huge challenges Tesla faces and something that's leveled against someone like Apple is um, is volume, right? Being able to manufacture volume. Like you, Tesla cannot make enough Model S vehicles right now to satisfy demand. Um, and so how, how could Apple do that? Um, and so like I was really uh, piqued by what Neil Seibart said about uh, using contract manufacturing in order to, uh, to do that. And, and of course, Apple is kind of an expert at that, right? Um, Apple's really good at uh, dealing with, with other companies to make their stuff. You know, Apple doesn't make any of its own stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we'll come back to, we'll come back to Apple in a few minutes um, but because we, we have another follow-up item, and that has to do with, um, dare we say, we mentioned it earlier, Aaron's struggle with, uh, with um, AirDrop, and uh, Jaime had a, a possible solution for him. So take it away, Jaime. Yeah, so... If AirDrop somehow doesn't work for you, unfortunate folks <laughs> who are not blessed such as I, there's another option out there. So Dropbox, <laughs> Dropbox came out with an update to iOS, uh, to its iOS app that adds an action extension to let you save files from sharing sheets. So, for example, if you're having issues trying to get, you know, videos or pictures off of your camera roll, you just go to the camera roll app, go to the little you know, Mumbo Jumbo to enable that extension and you get a save to Dropbox option, which I actually tried and it, I took a photo, I uploaded it and easy peasy, it's there on every device that shares that Dropbox account. So I, I assume that would work on a mobile network so that wouldn't be vulnerable to the same kinds of things that like an airdrop fluctuation. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That would. The only problem I may, uh, you know, which this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. But in, in the case that we were just talking about before the show where I wanted to get a link to a video onto our document on my Mac and I, my um, the link was open on my phone, okay? And yep. so I thought, okay, I'm going to just you know send this page via AirDrop to my Mac. And, of course, it didn't work. Um, I opened AirDrop on my Mac. I saw my phone from the Mac. But when I went to the share sheet, my Mac was not appearing in the airdrop section of the of the iPhone sharing sheet, um, so giant pain in the butt. And Dropbox wouldn't be able to help me there because all, I'm only trying to share like a, a, a bit of text, right? A hyperlink, um, not not an actual file. That's true. And this is only you for know, files. It's only for files, uh, which is great, you know. And I've got Dropbox, of course, and using the heck out of it, so that'll be good. What I ended up doing, though, and maybe this will be pro tip for someone else who maybe runs into the same problem. Um, is I opened the the URL in mobile Safari on my phone, and then uh, handoff kicked on on my Mac, and so I was able to open it that way, and then I had the link. A little bit roundabout, but it at least saved me uh, having to email from my phone to my Mac like some kind of filthy animal. <laughs> Alternatively, that is my follow up. You could have taken a screenshot of that URL, sent it to Dropbox, and then you could just retype it out on the other side. What? Are you mad? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me see here. YouTube.com slash watch question mark V equals capital Z, capital P, capital L. Oh, yeah, that's going to be great. Oh, see, that was the problem. It was an American website, so all those Zs were causing trouble. <laughs> Zs. <laughs> Not enough use. Oh, well. Yeah. Use guys. Use guys. Okay, so have have we have anybody got any more comments about the car thing? Like, give give me your opinions. <laughs> give me your opinions. 
yes or no, do you think Apple is going to make a car? Maybe okay, no. make I mean, a car? Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and go because I didn't, you know, I'm not a car guy, so I didn't really have a whole lot to add to the uh, the car oh, conversation. Geez, I'm not either, but come but, on. But when I look at it from a, um, you know, could somebody start something like this? And I, I think you already raised the point of Tesla doing this. And they're doing it really well, and they're selling a premium product that's, um, you know, clearly loved and enjoyed by many people. Um, and it's not unheard of for Apple to do stuff. I mean, we don't have pricing for the edition edition of the Apple watch, yeah. but we've heard it could be significantly higher than the $349 base model. And we're yeah. hearing it's thousands, be thousands of, dollars of dollars is what we're hearing Yeah, yeah. for something that's functionally not much different, if at all different than the cheapest model. So I could see a car that does things in a really nice way. It's may not necessarily be, um, you know, worth quote unquote, from a pure technical specification standpoint, is it better than a Honda Civic? Maybe, maybe not, but maybe it has all of these nice amenities that go with it. In addition to the statement, particularly the fashion statement that you're making by having the Apple car and not the Honda Civic. Couldn't be. So do you think they're doing it? That's the question. I think they are trying something, whether that turns out to actually be an end user product that ultimately gets released. Different question. But I do think that yeah. they are actually trying something here. I think that's the, 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 as far as I'm willing to take it as well, it seems obvious that there's, there are up to a thousand people inside of Apple doing this, but Apple's a big enough company that they can afford to take a bet without shipping anything on a thousand people. All right, Tim, what do you think? They probably can't afford to do it. Um, you know, again, it's such a messy market, and and uh, but like you know, we've seen Apple take on messy markets and make them better, and make make products that people, you know, actually you know strive to get right. So hard to say. So that's a tough one. So I think they could do it, but they won't do it. And for all the reasons we've said, in addition to the fact that cars are a type of product that requires a lot of maintenance, and and mm -hmm. Apple doesn't really do that. Right. I mean, you know, you buy your iPhone and you're not going in and getting tune-ups for your iPhone. You're not getting repairs in your iPhone. <laughs> you're getting a new iPhone in a couple of years. So it's kind of a different strategy than what Apple was typically doing. So I yeah, think, well, you know, maybe you book a Genius Bar appointment and you swap out your car. I was going to say, one. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just make sure you back it up before you take it in. Yeah, that's right. And electric yeah. vehicles are a lot lower maintenance than, than gas cars are, right? Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I tell you, I'd, I'd be paying a lot of attention uh, if Apple came out with a card. I think it'd be very interesting, uh, whether yeah. it actually happens or not. And if it does happen, it'll be years away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, about electric cars, I have a friend of mine who's had one for a number of years, and he actually had to have the battery replaced, and it was a considerable amount of money to replace the batteries. So, yeah, it is. So. That's one of the biggest expenses in a car. Yeah, plus, so. plus the size of them in, in a lot of cases, right? So for sure they take up a lot of space so uh, moving on to i guess well i guess is this follow-up or not follow-up the other app store hmm it's one of our favorite topics so the other app store is a topic we've mentioned in past episodes about you know there being different tiers of uh 
developers on on the iOS App Store, right? And then cool kids and losers. Yes, <laughs> uh, we mentioned like you know the Hanks writer. We even mentioned something like Flappy Bird. Uh, it, it, actually, the Flappy Bird creator uh, with his um, helicopter game getting a a little bit of extra wink, wink, nudge, nudge from the reviewers. As far as we can tell, we're speculating. We have no proof. So fairly <laughs> recently, um, Apple has teamed up with Pinterest. And specifically, Pinterest, with regard to its iOS app, that now allows you to have um, native pinning of apps. So, for example, uh, the App Store has a Pinterest account as well as uh, Pinterest's own staff have an account where they have pinned. And it's a really nice pin for the app. It's not just a link to the App Store. It's actually a nice, thoughtful graphic, a nice, thoughtful animation that shows you you know, what that app is. For example, um, Monument Valley is one of the, the picks on there. And you can install the app directly from the Pinterest app without having to leave and go into the app store, right? It, from a technical standpoint, this isn't terribly interesting because it's using the same native um, store API that uh, anybody could use, right? You could show like another app and install other bits. What seems to qualify as the other app store is the fact that this is creating what's in essence another app store-like environment that people can curate uh, only through Pinterest. So where this kind of came out in terms of you know, a little bit of slight controversy is let's think back to a couple of other apps that have had to remove you know, links to other apps or in some cases those apps were predicated around the idea of giving you collections of apps that you should download. So those apps were rejected for or removed in one case from the app store because they violated guideline, I think it's 2.25. You shouldn't not create anything that might be confused for the app store as an alternative to the app store. But here we have a clear indication of something that could easily fall under that category that is getting allowed through the review process. In contrast to what Marco Arment ran into with his Overcast app, which you know, tastefully, I think, displayed alternative podcast listening apps that you could download, such as Downcast and um, I, f I forget the other ones. But in any case, he had to remove that from an app update because the App Store review would not have let it through. Hmm. I wonder if the difference here is that the, this is user-generated content. So it's not the app developer who's who's putting the link in. It's a user pinning a link to something else. And it sounds like it's curated from what he was saying, like by, by Apple or by Pinterest itself, if I may. How, well, can, you, it, can you explain? I, I missed the part where you were talking before show about how do you get to um, these pins. I've got my app open. I'm just curious about that. Oh, so getting to them, I mean, you could go into Pinterest, search yeah. for, let's say, like App Store. But before you actually hit the search button, hit the pinners tab, and you can see the official App Store account. Oh, pinner. Um, okay. Right. I have to admit, it's a little unclear to me because I tried this myself and I couldn't get the magic to happen um, with my own Pinterest account. But it's a little unclear to me who exactly can put that nice styled pin. Um, I do believe it's not restricted to special parties. Um, maybe you have to set up a particular setting in your account or something. Uh, similar to the way that you have to enable analytics on Twitter, right? And I, I've done that for my own Twitter account. Maybe hmm. I have to do that for my Pinterest account. Uh, you know, uh, adhere to some new additional terms of service or something. But I think that's a good point, Mark, that, that, that this is presumably much more user-oriented 
and natural content coming across rather than being um, what I think Apple might have been trying to avoid, which is scammy other quote unquote apps that were little more than just ways to give you advertising and try to get you to install crazy right. stupid apps. Yeah, I could see even even if Pinterest has a a palette of nice graphics for each app and you go in and you kind of pin it and then you get the nice graphic showing up, they're still not promoting that app necessarily. I mean, at least you could argue around that, right? So it, it's unlike those, you know, there's some other um, apps that maybe one started with a T a long time ago that, you know, you would pay them and they would, and they would promote your app mm -hmm. uh, in their app. Uh, I don't know. I guess a little fuzzy because Pinterest itself has its own page that it's following. So it's not a disinterested party. Hey, go be fruitful and multiply. It's actually actively doing this and promoting it as well in its own engineering blog mm. post. So my final statement on this topic is I think there's some opportunities here, right? So let's look at the positive. I think there's some opportunities here that if you could become well-known for you know, making good picks for apps and get really involved in the Pinterest culture. Mm -hmm. There might be some business opportunities there, right? People might come to you and there might be this harmonious, virtuous cycle of, hey, here are some other apps, one of which is mine. And then the next time you come out with an app at some later date, it's kind of a natural way to advertise. Just See my sense. eyes roll on radio. <laughs> <laughs> but they actually hurt now I roll so hard. See, I'm trying to see here. I can't even figure out. How to, never mind. Can't figure. Can't even figure out how to pin something in Pinterest on the app. See, there you go. It's crazy. Just keep poking it. It's Poke crazy. It. Well, it's it stalled on my iPhone six too, so I wonder if it's got a got some issues. Um, but there was another Apple App Store discussion we were having before before we started taping, and that was is this new um, link that showed up. I don't know the consumer facing App Store. Let's call it. Um, so that's the CF App Store. Um, what? What? Core Foundation? Just stop. Yeah, the Core, core Foundation. foundation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot I should use a C in front of that. Um, yeah, no, it's on the it's on the iTunes Store uh, on your Mac. It's on your iTunes Store on your uh, devices, and that has to do with Apple promoting uh, apps that don't have extra in-app purchases. You mean like a pay once, play many times kind of uh, deal? Yeah, this is something that was kind of out of the blue for me. I mean, I, I ended up seeing it, I think, slightly before I saw the blog posts about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'll to be honest, I hadn't quickly noticed it because I was going into the App Store for, you know, looking for other items. Um, but once I saw the blog post, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I went back and it's actually, you know, right up there, or at least it was fairly recently, yeah, front as a center. top banner yeah. category, yeah. Uh, just like they promote, you know, games or education or if you're new to the app store this is a category that's really predicated around the idea of like you pay for this game one time and only one time yeah. there are no it's not a freemium game it's not a game that has in-app purchases just straight up give you something for your dollar and it seems like this is you know a way to to have a way for other developers beyond folks who have really embraced the freemium model mm -hmm. to have a chance. And a lot of these games that I see on here are actually pretty good games, right? So Leo's Fortune is obviously a design award winning one. Sure. Um, you know, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Bastion. These are a lot of games that I think people really enjoy. 
And it's also really nice for users as well because you don't have to worry about having set up your um, you know, your permissions, your parental control for handing off your iPod or your old iPhone to your kid and just saying, here, here um, here's the games. I bought it for you. I don't have to worry about $500 of Smurf berries showing up on my credit <laughs> card a month from now. Yeah, yeah. So I think a little tip of the hat is you here to, to Apple. For well, doing this. it is and it isn't. I mean, it's still, it's still a curated set of games that uh, that they're going to pick. They're going to pick games that are, are again, for tips for developers. You want to get featured on the Apple Store. Use the latest and greatest technology. You know, have a good game. You know, follow, have a good design in your game. You know, these are the kind of things that Apple looks for. But uh, you know, this isn't this isn't a list, a, a comprehensive list. Let's say, you know, that's true. And it's missing out on games that are actually really, really good that have freemium aspects to it, right? So, Crossy Road, I don't believe would qualify for here because that's a free game that. Yeah uses freemium for its model and that's a really good game and a game that uses freemium in a fantastic way in fact a very user-friendly way mm -hmm. i don't see this category i i saw it when it came out but i'm not seeing the category on my phone anymore um is there a particular way to get to it well it should be on the featured page oh here it is here it is you gotta swipe the top banner mm -hmm. got it right on yeah, yeah, it I might mean, have been pushed off of the carousel because now there's the SNL 40 years anniversary, right? And oh, no, not in Canada. Not in Canada. No. Nope. Oh, really? Here, oh, sorry, Canada. Yeah. Just like Airdrop, you can't have SNL either. Oh! <laughs> we send you our comedians to, and NBC denies us access to this SNL 40 uh, app. Just putting it out there. Could, could you watch the show? Yeah, we could watch the show well, on, on, on Canadian TV. TV. On cable, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, nothing like this can be comprehensive, right? I mean, there's there's too many apps for that. Um, and you know, it's it's another app store, you might say, but uh, they got to pick something, and uh, and I, I think it's it's a good category to have, right? Yeah. And whether it's a uh, a comprehensive category, I don't think really matters that much. But just just uh, acknowledging the trend out there, I think, is very interesting. Now we got to keep in mind, right? The App Store editors are very different people than the policymakers at Apple. Oh, true. Right? Yes, yes. And so um, I wouldn't get your hopes up that Apple is looking at shaking things up a bit in the um, App Store policy department in order to make a better environment for games that are like this, pay once and play. Yes. But why wouldn't hold your breath for but that? Why do you, but, but do you agree that that's why they, they did that, to countermand the, uh, the backlash against freemium? Yeah. yeah, the App Store editors did that because they know that there's a demand for this sort of, of game where there's no question about it, right? Mm. Like, think of a parent or, you know, even anyone. Like, for me personally, having something like this is a relief, you know, because, you know, and Apple over the years has added these little warnings and cues that, that there are in-app purchases or that this game's business model relies on the in-app purchase mechanism. Um, because you can, before you even buy the game or download the game for free, um, you can see in-app purchases, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that uh, a lot of people, like that I personally take advantage of uh, when I'm when I'm actually looking for games. It's like, well, how much is this thing going to cost me to play? You know, even without the idea of, you know, like what, you know, what is required for that. But, like, here, I'm just looking at a random game. I just pulled this up. It's called One Piece Treasure Cruise by Bandai Namco, a company you've probably heard of. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a free game. 
Um, and it, it was it was featured on the homepage here of the App Store app. Free game, but then you can scroll down and look at the in-app purchases. And here they are. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so there's six of them. Rainbow Gem A, Rainbow Gem D, Rainbow Gem F, and then other letters of the alphabet, ranging in price from $1.19 Canadian to $64.99 Canadian. Um, you know, I don't know what role those purchases are going to have in the game, but uh, having the capability of spending that kind of money $64? in a game. $64? Yeah. Yeah. For like a, a, a type of gem. Did they come to your house I and guess, play for you? They ought to. Uh, but... You know, that, of course, really turns me off. I'm never going to download this game yeah. because that's their business model. Not interested. And that's why this category exists. So I'm, I'm pleased about that category, and I, I hope it takes off. I hope they look at their stats and they say, oh, my good Lord, we've got, you know, 2 million people um, downloaded apps from this category yeah. in the last week. We should, uh, we should really think about that. You know, and this is kind of how policies change. Yeah, but is this also this is like the the changing from free to get? Is this this just not another reachability solution? You know, like the reachability on the iPhone six is there not because it actually adds functionality, but because they actually designed something that has a problem and they had to come up with a solution for it. Well, I don't know. Like this is clearly an acknowledgement that there's a problem. Yeah. So, the whether it, it actually uh, leads to a long term benefit will depend on whether it's responded to in large numbers. Mm-hmm. It's just not... Only Apple will know. Right? <laughs> That's true. That's, we'll never know. I think it'll help indie devs disproportionately, though, because look at something like Threes, that you know Apple Design Award winning, that just got pummeled by you know free clones. Whereas here, yeah. they, they're, I think they're kind of front and center, at least from what I saw. Um, yeah, I saw them. Um, there's also Space Age, which is another good indie app. Um, many of these, of course, I don't recognize, you know. Good times, man. Good times. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty, uh, it's a pretty tough time to be a developer. Um, Mark, you've been awfully quiet there in the corner. He's coding. Uh, <laughs> no, not coding. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we um, maybe maybe talk about the, uh, just briefly mention this App Store Cut proposal? that I posted in the show notes here while, while we're on the topic of the app store. Yeah, give her. Uh, okay. So just um, last week, I updated my uh, iOS apps uh, developer membership program uh, for 99 Oops, sorry. Uh, 129 yeah, Is that right? $119, yeah, yeah. Thank you. 119 And um, Canadian. <laughs> so I paid that. Uh, you know, um, I renewed my iOS one. My Mac one comes due another time in the year, so that will happen. And... When I was paying it, I was like, okay, well, you know, it's it's a fairly nominal expense. Um, yeah. And But it, it, it made me think, you know, why are they charging this again? You know, the company just announced they got $180 billion in the bank. Why do they need 119 of my dollars well, to they're, run they're their program? To, they're doing it to, to vet against the people who are just going to go in and speculate. And, That's the yeah. only reason I can come up with yeah. is that it's a gateway yeah. of some kind. Yeah. And it's just curious to me that they would decide not to take a loss on that <laughs> you know let, let's adjust that for currency and you know make it make it you know just a little bit harder that's all it's just a little well, bit they harder. do they do if you think about it they do give us you know two hundred dollars worth of uh worth of um things i mean we get access to beta software we get we get tech support calls oh yeah, yeah sure. that's yeah. so hard for them yeah i i hear you i hear you like they, they are really struggling to provide that service with other money i get it um <laughs> 
but okay, so I can I can set aside the developer program membership cost. Um, but then, of course, there's the bigger cost, the 30%, right? Um, which has been in existence from the very start of the App Store. And, um, you know, a lot of people have complained about because when you're selling direct to customers, uh, you don't pay anywhere near 30% uh, as, a, as an overhead cost. Um, but again, of course, you've got the whole marketing angle of the App Store. But then again, on the other hand, you're not really getting a lot of marketing because there's a whole other app store, right? And that's the one you're on. It's mm-hmm. too bad. Mm-hmm. But now here's an interesting proposal from, um, let me get the fellow's name. This is a blog post written by Jeff Hunter. And of course the link will be in the show notes. It's a open letter, um, which is great. And I love open letters because nobody pays attention to them <laughs> except for, you know, idiots on podcasts. Mm-hmm. But this fellow here, he actually used to work for Apple and uh, he's, the uh, co-founder of uh, a company and an app called AnyList, and it's a pretty well-rated shopping list and recipe organization app for iOS. And so he's basically writing to Tim and letting us all in on his little letter, um, proposing that um, that the thirty percent cut is a deterrent for a lot of smaller developers on the App Store, and suggesting that. It could be a, a tiered system where your first $100,000 in annual revenue um, is not taxed at all by 30%. Oh, yeah. um, but as you step up in revenues, uh, they start tacking on uh, percent takes. So the idea being that smaller developers, the vast majority, let's face it, um, will, will not or, or will spend either very little or no money. Uh, to sell their apps to, uh, on the App Store. Um, you know, and you can come up with all kinds of different formula. You could say, okay, it's the, the base rate is 10% rather than 30%. Right. But if you make X dollars, then it steps up to 20 or you know, and then 30 But So Apple's always going to make something off of you. But wh- whatever the proposal ends up being, I think it's fair um, after all this time and the, the, the fabulous success that Apple has enjoyed um, – to revisit the question of the 30% cut that Apple takes on every sale in the App Store. Um, what do you guys think? Well, to quote Aaron Vay, Apple don't care. Apple don't care. Apple don't give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, they, they will almost certainly uh, continue as they have. But yeah. I'm not asking what you think is going to happen. I think what, you know, I'm asking what you think uh, is right. Well, I, again, I think that the, 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 the idea behind the 30% cut is, is uh, again, I think is a, a, a mechanism to vet um, developers that, that aren't serious about, you know, doing stuff, notwithstanding the fact that we're all not able to make money off it. But um, I guess just... It, you think it's a gateway? Like it is. A, a it is. Filter. I don't agree yeah, with no, that. Apple, no. has, Apple does a lot of that kind of stuff in, in other, other parts of their market where they, they have minimum thresholds that you have to get, you know, you have to be able to, to live with in order to get uh, to get uh, access to their programs, right? Um, yeah, but I don't see it on this one. I don't see it on a, on a percentage cut of sales. Well, I mean, initially, like and again, when, when, Steve stood, when Steve stood up on the stage and started talking about this back in the day, back in 2008, when they first rolled this out, was he was sort of saying, and we'll do all the marketing for you. We'll make it easy for you to sell. You want to do anything, you sit back and relax and put your yeah, head right. back. Here comes the drill, right? And and a lot of Mac developers have discovered that this is this 
advantage or is not actually an advantage is a disadvantage because you lose contact with your customers and and you know you're not and you could probably use that other 30% that you're giving up to Apple for other things right and that's been a lot of what we've been talking about in the last you know uh, 6 months we've been doing this podcast but um yeah i mean that that's I really have a hard time seeing Apple again. They don't need. They, they. I really don't think that they're charging the thirty percent. There isn't really there because they need the money. You know, it's there. It's there as a as a fence. It's there as a, as a way of you know vetting who's 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 a player. But that doesn't. I don't think that makes sense because um, it's not. <laughs> it does when you're talking <laughs> about Molly another Valley, way. It does you it's, know? But you know. Uh, no, see, it's it's for for a developer if they're if they're selling a ninety nine cent app. They're not paying out of pocket to um, to have access to the app store uh, via that thirty percent, right? Like that's that's basically found money of which they're getting less of. Yeah. So it's not it's not going to deter anyone from going to the app store. A hundred dollars a year will. Idea. Maybe one idea would be like you said the the uh, the hundred and nineteen Canadian. Maybe that comes out of your first uh, your first thirty percent for a while. You know. Um, like maybe the maybe the hundred nineteen or the ninety nine dollars US is meant to vet the people who are serious about this, and then but then they credit that back to you until you make that back. I mean, to be honest with you, the ninety nine dollars a year doesn't really affect me on the iOS because I make that back in in the meager app sales that I do get, right? So it all it all comes out. Yeah, much, like right? I really but don't I have, want to focus but I've on never, that. I've never I've never I've never shipped a Mac app. You know, I planned on doing it, but I've never actually gotten around to pulling that trigger, which is why I didn't renew this year. But uh, where at this moment in time, I can renew it at any point I want. But again, why why does Apple take thirty percent? It's a good question. But I think I th- well, the answer that they provided was we're going to use that money to actually run the App Store. We're going to run <laughs> it at like break even, basically. Right. Well, that's what they said. Right, right. That's what Steve went up on stage and said. We're going to use that money to to run this store at break even. We're not going to make a lot of money off of this. Yeah. But that's changed now. I think that's well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I mean, like, like thirty percent of what what Monument Value makes and thirty percent of what Overcast makes, you know, it does add up, right? But but think about think about it too, though. I mean, like, we're talking about 140 stores, right? We're talking about you know, it's it's a big infrastructure that that Apple runs. Whether you know, I know in smaller markets like Europe and whatever, they they match people up. But you got to be paying these people to do it. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that if if this is the model, if this is what this 30 percent is for, is to basically run these stores, then that makes sense. But but we're talking about a company that that has you know could could refinance God, you know. Hmm. Well, yeah, we're well beyond the part where we're wondering if the thirty percent is going to be sufficient to run the servers and the infrastructure. Yeah, it's it's well above and beyond that yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Like what? Uh, what's the last number we got on how much money uh, Apple's paid developers? Billions. Um, right, yeah, of course. But you know, how many billions? And so basically, then what's thirty uh, percent of that? Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Depends um, if you're using the American billion, billions or the or imperial billions. Yeah. The, the, li- the latest number I can find on a quick Google search right now is $20 billion, mm. um, half of it in the past year. Okay, right. so $10 billion in 2014, all right? Mm-hmm. That's how much they paid, which means that that's, uh, that's the 70% of, of the sales, mm-hmm. right? And so the other 30% of that, that's, that's what uh, using to build a car. That's a little more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a little more than what it costs to run the App Store infrastructure. Yeah. A little more. Maybe maybe by a hair. As long as that hair were the size of the solar system. 
Yeah. I mean, it could be argued they should be giving developers iPhones for free. They should be giving us watches for free. You know, like they should. I, I'm, not, I'm not greedy. I just don't think that it's <laughs> fair that we're paying this much. Yeah, no. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think I think it's worth a reexamination from Apple. I think if Apple came out at DubDub next spring and said, yeah, you know what? We've looked at this and uh, we're going to make some changes. I think everybody would go, it's about bloody time. Mm. That's my, my two cents. Yeah, and, I, my, my and I'm with you. 30%. I'm with you, but I'm not holding my breath either, though. So no, of course not. Yeah, yeah. Of course not. Okay, that's all I had to say about that. Jaime, what do you think? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned um, what Steve Jobs had said. The the folks over at Inquisitive, uh, specifically episode number 27 that just came out, that's uh, hosted by Mike Hurley on the Relay.fm network. And they had some really good quotes from Steve Jobs, like the actual audio that played where Steve is introducing the app store and talking about the developer split and everything. And a lot of the things that were in there, like they made sense at the time. They totally made sense at 2008, mm-hmm. right? A lot of this stuff was a huge pain in the neck. Yeah. I think since then... You couldn't even copy and paste back then. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but in terms of like, you know, finding customers and... You know, hosting just hosting the data and dealing with the um, the credit card transactions and all in, in you know findability right people could find things like that was true pretty early on and for several years after the app store started where there were you know a relative handful of apps compared to what we have now right and what we have now is an environment where there's not tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of apps there's you know millions of apps that's yeah say. yep and you credit know. cards are actually pretty easy to deal with now with things like stripe and braintree and balance payments and all these other things um and storage is dirt cheap so that microsoft and dropbox and all these other people are giving it away like candy right there's a there, and the findability and searchability type thing is actually much more difficult in the app store thus things like what pinterest is doing and it certainly seems like it's worth examining whether there's something that could be done differently that would, you know, be quote unquote, you know, closer to fair, but yet it's actually something that's, that's good for Apple and good for consumers. And that's, you know, by making it easier for folks to have a, a somewhat smaller barrier of, you know, from a taxable standpoint, then maybe more people will be able to go indie full time. Maybe more people will be able to do X, Y, and Z. It certainly seems like, you know, not only does Apple have the war chest, but if they're trying to keep it at, you know, essentially break even, they're going pretty much further beyond break even at this point on that. So maybe they could share the wealth, so to speak, that I think ultimately ends up helping them. I pretty much agree with everything everyone said. I mean, back in 2008, <laughs> nobody knew if there were going to be, you know, 100 iOS developers or 1,000 iOS, iOS developers, yeah. or, and probably no one expected there to be, you know, a million or 10 million or whatever the actual number is of people who... Who are, who are doing this now. Um, so also back then, you know, the, the costs of, of putting a product out, you know, through a, a normal distribution channel, selling it at, at uh, you know, Best Buy or whatever, uh, probably would cost a lot more than 30%. Mm-hmm. So at the time, it, it was it was probably a pretty good deal. Um, but yeah, but like everyone said, things have, things have changed, the world's moved on. So uh, maybe it is time to revisit Back then, packaged software was like eighty dollars, right? Yeah, <laughs> and now right. it's ninety nine cents or free. So yeah, 
Right. Yeah, that thirty percent is looking pretty pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I was going to say it reminds me of it, it. It is reminiscent to me when you talk about where the App Store was in two thousand eight and where the App Store is today. Is how the internet was in ninety three and how it is today, or how it is ten years ago. Um, you know, it's kind of like we're complaining. It's like complaining that the internet's broken and we need to figure some some way to fix it. That's kind of sort of what we're. It sounds like we're saying about the about the app store or however many app stores there are now. I forgot. I lost track. But the um, it, it's it's a tough call. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, I think the thirty percent is such a small issue in terms of what is broken on the app store. You know, as Jaime was mentioning, the the fine inability to find software. You know. Um, I think it comes down to developers have to really put their mind to running a business and creating an app that's, uh, you know, going to make them money because it's a focused, focused project or focused product, right? So, I mean, the guys, the the, the apps that are, I think we can admit that the apps that are being featured on this Hey Once play many times. I mean, those apps aren't, you know, your your run-of-the-mill apps that some guy made in his basement. Those, Those are built by teams with, you know, with writers and stories and budgets and, you know, they're not, uh, I mean, how many of those are indie apps? I think a couple of them, right? You mentioned uh, the space one. They're high quality apps. Yeah, generally speaking, they're high quality apps. But, but the, and they're, you know, the, the apps like Leo's Fortune and uh, the Star Wars stuff, those aren't coming from small indie shops, right? Uh, which is part of, part of you know, where, where Apple loses my faith in that, in the fact that they're doing this great gesture for us. But, they're not doing it for us. They're doing it for, you know, the, the bigger stores, the bigger, bigger companies that can make the slicker products, right? You know, they're getting behind the products that are going to get them the most downloads and therefore the most 30%, if you will, you know, because they get 30% of everything that's listed on here as well. So it's in their mm-hmm. best interest to put, to put their best foot forward, which is to feature the apps that they consider that are, in fact, the best. So our breaths are not held, obviously, but no. <laughs> it, should, it should be something that they revisit. Yeah. yeah. Say so we should wrap it up and go around the table like we do every week, and we'll see if anybody has any picks. And we'll start again with Aaron. Do you have a pick? Yeah. Um, there's a uh, – geez, this is some time ago now, actually. Maybe six months ago, um, Facebook introduced a toolkit called Async Display Kit, mm-hmm. which is a framework that allows – developers to offload the processing of, of um, a view type code yeah. outside of the main thread. Um, you know, if, if you're an iOS developer, you know that if you're doing view updates, they have to happen on the main thread. And if you're looking for smooth, buttery smooth animations at up to 60 frames per second, uh, that can sometimes be a challenge when you've got a number of things going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Async Display Kit, Facebook created this framework that allows um, developers to readily uh, take um, UI updates and post them outside of the main thread, um, except for at the very last second, I guess. I'm not sure exactly how it works right now. Uh, I've, I've gotten only partway through this video. Um, so the idea with this video is that it's um, an introduction uh, by this developer uh, working actually at Instagram right now. Uh, who was involved in the creation of Async Display Kit. Uh, his name is Sam Scott Goodson, mm-hmm. uh, formerly of Apple, um, formerly of Facebook, now with Instagram, yeah. all the same thing. And uh, he lays out exactly how it works and how to use it. And uh, I, I saw the link on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, referenced from someone, I don't know who, because I'm bad, 
Um, but I mentioned him last week. To this he spoke video. At that conference yeah, we did talk yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he referred to this video as sort of the canonical uh, source for learning about async display mm-hmm, kit. Cool. So um, I suspect, uh, and that's why I'm interested in it, this might be just something that goes in every app that I make uh, once I figure out how this thing actually works. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's worthwhile to, to take a look at this video. I don't know how to say this without getting dinged. Um... Tim. <laughs> Oh, were you going to say Ray Wendell No, again? I was not going to say. In, okay, go whenever. on. Do, say what you're going to say. No, I was, gonna, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I mentioned it, mentioned Scott Goodson because he talked about Async Display Kit at, at the conference I was at last week. Um, but, um, dang. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't name it, though. Don't name it. <laughs> okay, uh, do you want to move on? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, Jaime, okay. yeah. are, we, are we done with uh, Async Display Kit? Yeah, I, I said what I had to say. The link's in the show notes. Go watch it. It is cool. I mean, like I said, uh, Scott Goodson did speak in, at a uh, conference I was at recently, and, and it was quite an interesting topic. <laughs> and I could share some resources that I got from that with you, Aaron, if you like. Put them in the show notes. I will. Well, no, in the show notes. I can share with you directly. Um, ah, um, be an airdrop. Well, not airdrop, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Jaime, do you have any picks? I do. I don't actually know how this is pronounced, but I'm going to call it Giflay. It's a GIF viewer. Isn't it Giflay? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, if you're someone like me and you really need that collection of animated GIFs in order to, you know, really zing or, or hit that moment when you're in an email chain, um, it's kind of hard to find them or find the right one when you're just looking at the photo album or the camera roll. Yeah. Uh, but this app actually has native support for GIFs. It will pull in just the GIFs that you have in your photo roll. Um, and beyond just simply displaying them and being able to see whatever, you can change the speed so you can view things faster or slower. Or really helpful for me is sometimes there's just that really key, wonderful frame you want to pull out of a GIF. Mm-hmm. So you can just hit the frames button view the you know however many frames it happens to be in this video pick the one you want and send just that image to someone else or save it if you want so it's just a nice little tool i'm looking right now i've got a whole bunch of breaking bad gifs i have a uh gif of (laughs) bill gates drinking poop water (laughs) (laughs) and one of uh fry from futurama saying shut up and give me my money Mm -hmm. or sorry shut, (laughs) shut up and take my money classic which I'm going to definitely use whenever the Apple Watch comes out. These are gifts or, or memes, or memes. Yeah, meme creation. I'm trying. The link's not opening for me. Hmm. It works. You have to switch it to CA, perhaps. Yeah, no, it's the US I'm, one. Is I'm looking work. at it. On... Maybe I'll yeah. look for it on the iTunes app. Sad. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, little tool. Do you want to go to Mark now, yeah, Tim, no, or would just, you like yeah, to just, just sit silently yeah, for a while? Yeah, sit silently for a while. I'm just a little pissed off at you right now. But, uh, um, <laughs> Let your anger feed your hate. Yeah, hate leads to anger. Anger leads to suffering. Yes. Sure does. Um, Mark, Mark, do you have any picks? I do have a pick. My pick is an app called Hotel Tonight. And uh, as, as you guys know, I've been doing quite a bit of traveling lately. So, you know, there's always a uh, a question of, you know, what hotel do you stay at? Where do you get a good rate? Um, 
and and this this app is actually pretty cool. Um, what it does is it's based on the concept that you know hotels have rooms that they haven't sold, they haven't made reservations for, and when it gets close to the to the you know the day of of your trip, they're willing to give away those those rooms for pretty cheap as opposed to just letting them sit empty. Kind of like what you know the Priceline's idea was a while back, but but what's different about this app is that you actually see the hotel mm. and the price that they're that they're asking for. Now the drawback is that it's kind of a gamble uh, because your options are today, tomorrow, or you can set dates, but you know not really more than a week in the future. And so if you're willing to take the risk of waiting until the day before or, or, or even the day of the night you want to stay, mm-hmm. you can get some great deals. So I've been see, you know, I, I've been going down to L.A. where, where hotels are, are generally pretty, pretty expensive. Uh, and I've seen – I won't say any names, but hotels that normally cost you know, 350 bucks a night for under 200 bucks at times mm. if, you, if, you, uh, if you are willing to wait until the day that you want to stay. So it's a, and it's a it's a really nice app. Uh, it looks good. It's put together well. It works great, uh, and uh, it it can save you a lot of money or save your company. A lot I'm of money. shocked. It works in Canada. I've got local hotels here. This is wow. crazy. Nice. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Check so that's out. my pick. Hotel tonight. Hmm. It also has a very pretty UI design too. It does, yes, it does. Yeah, it's nice looking. Yep. Excuse me, I have to go to Toronto and, you know, stay in a hotel for tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cosmopolitan for 159. Jeez. Well, it happened, happened to me a couple of it happened to me last weekend. I was try, trying to fly back and the airport was closed. So, I had to uh, scramble to find a hotel room that could use this app. Oh, yeah, it'd be perfect nice. for that. If you if your flight gets canceled or something mm-hmm. or you miss your flight mm-hmm. and you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, for sure. Like if you go to the the list of hotels and then tap on one, the transition animation is really sweet. Yeah. Like the, the list kind of breaks apart and yep. uh, it sort of floats into – that's a nice uh, way. Nice work. It's kind of like the weather app, sort of. Uh, yeah, a little bit, I guess. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Pretty sweet. Anyway, cool. Tim, what's your pick? Cool. Well, my pick this week is uh, – uh, I'm not sure how long it's been out. I think it's been out about a year maybe, maybe six months. It's a tool called Core Animator. And um, for those of you who may not know, core animation is basically what runs, un- runs under the hood in UIKit. Um, a lot of you know you can do a lot of animations with UIKit in your apps, and you can you know, tra- do transitions and that kind of stuff. You can move objects around on the screen, and uh, UI Dynamics is a new thing that was added in at uh, WWDC this year. And um, but core animator is what it is is a it's a sort of a vector tool. You can import vector images in at, at 2x. Um, and create uh, animations of things. Sample animation that they run there is a trash can with a lid that opens and closes, or they have like a little sprite of a, of a um, little fairy guy that you can move, move, move and move around on the screen and do animations and stuff like that. And it, what it does when when you're finished creating these animations, and it can be done by a designer on your team, or it could be done by the developer themselves. Um, but the idea is that when, when you're finished with the animation, you can export it to Objective-C or to Swift code and then basically you know, bring it into your app and use it in the app. So it's um, core animation, if you've done any kind of looking into, into how to do core animation, um, 
it's you know a lot of math involved and it's it's uh, pretty pretty heavy uh, heavy duty stuff sometimes when you're coding it. Um, have you did, Mark, have you done some core animation stuff? I think you have, right? I've done lots of it. Yeah. yeah. So th- yeah. this is kind of a this is kind of a, a WYSIWYG tool, if you will, that that allows you to to uh, to go and do it. I'm going to play around with it. I, I downloaded uh, the demo, yeah. demo app um, recently. I put a link up. It was coreanimator.com, obviously. If can it can it do uh, 3D animations like with the CA Transform 3D? Uh, I don't know about that, but but I do know that it, um, you know we're there's a lot of a lot of topics on animation these days. Um, you know, um, we talked about it last week with with the book that uh, Marin uh, Tortorov introduced on uh, doing UI view animations and animating uh, auto layout as well. So, but this is this yep. is going one level deeper than that. Um, I think everything that happens on the screen in, in iOS. Um, any kind of uh, animation or transitions and navigation bars and all that kind of stuff happens is at, on, under core animation, right? So, well, that's true, but but there's actually a, a, a real big difference between uh, doing UI view based mm-hmm. animations with the you know animate with duration block system, yeah. and and the lower level real true core animation even though yes the the ui view animations are are built on top of the core animation mm-hmm. uh animations uh but they actually don't play well together at all if you try to do them at the same time right, right. Uh, for example say you try to do a, a layer transformation directly uh at the inside of a ui view animate block you'll find that it just flat out doesn't work it doesn't it, well, you might actually get the animation, but it doesn't respect the timing that you set in the animation block. So, and there's actually, if you look, if you dig into Apple's documentation, there's sort of one paragraph that tells you, don't do that. But if you have to do that, here's a trick that might sort of work. Uh, and and so so basically, I, I discovered this actually the hard way by trying to have uh, a, a 3D animation embedded into a, a much more complicated uh, view-based animation, right. and and it, it was kind of. I mean, I eventually got to work, but it was it was it was kind of rough. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see how they handle that. It, whether they actually do translate into view-based animations, or is it all you know true core you know core animation layer-based? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I haven't gone through it far enough to to actually uh, generate code. I was just looking at the at the yeah. first level of it. So, but it was kind of interesting because yeah. I've been you know reading up on the, on the um, on the auto layout stuff, which kind of kind of interesting stuff, I and mean, Mary yep. talked about that at the at the conference as well. So, all yeah, right, yeah. Um, okay, I guess that's it for the week. And so, Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where oh, would I thought we you? were going to get past that. Look, <laughs> really? You would look on Twitter at Aaron May. <laughs> okay, and uh, Jaime, where could people find you? At Dev with the Hair and on my blog, devwithahair.com. And Mark? Mark R at smapsoft.com. And I'm not sure if, well, no, Aaron introduced me earlier today. Uh, my name is Tim Mitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I am T I M M I T R A on Twitter. And you can also find me on uh, it guy.com. So we'll say goodbye. See you next week. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. 
There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar a month. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. I can continue bitching about how I have to email things to myself from my phone to my Mac. You could, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, like I'm still having to do it right now. Right you know, now. so one of my links I think might help solve part of that problem if you are somehow still unable to use AirDrop. Dropbox has a solution for you, I think. Oh, yeah? Talk to me. Yeah. So the recent update to Dropbox has a, um, uh, what is it, a sharing extension? No, or Oh, yeah. And I always say extension. I always say extension, you mean? Yeah. I forget yeah. which particular kind of extension it is. Yeah. But it's pretty simple to just go into, like say, like your photos app and say, I want to save these photos to Dropbox. That should hypothetically work even on the mobile network regardless of you being actually connected to something airdroppable. Well, I just got around it by using Handoff. I opened this link in my mobile browser, Mm -hmm. and on my Mac, uh, Handoff worked. So I opened it there. So now I have the link on my Mac. Screw you, Airdrop! (laughs) Okay, here comes the link. Um, Well, we saw the link go by a minute ago. No, that was a link for NASA's shuttle shuttle location. Oh, the shuttle map. Oh, cool. Yeah, very cool. Let's put that in the show notes. So we're at a late night last night, so Dropbox, yeah, no worries. Apple Car. Oh, that's going to be your excuse, eh? That's, the, that's the, the club you're pulling out of the bag. I can drive to Whitby and use the club. Oh, I'd love to see that. <laughs> My computer it's very un-Canadian of you, uh, Tim. <laughs> oh, no, no. There's a, there's a really good one-line joke. A seal walked into a club. <laughs> by the way as an aside we're not the only ones who have issues with this it turns out that the isometric folks yeah. have troubles trying to get their what four co-hosts yeah. marking at the same time they use some other um synchronization kind of thing that they were God, trying to talk four. about that's crazy yeah steve was saying oh, i heard geez. i heard rihanna say that um we have four what are you talking about uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the joke. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. You see, it's funny because Late we're night. Four Remember people. that part? Seal, oh, this is going to be a long night for you, man. Club. Um, or it may not be. That's the other thing. Um, yeah, Steve was saying that that they. Well, Brianna had said that they. Uh, he found some software, but I guess it's not out yet. That's what Jaime and I were tweeting with him the other day. For those of you listening home, that would be Brianna Wu of Giant Space Cat, who's on Isometric, and Steve Lubitz. I forget where he's from. I apologize, Steve. <laughs> if you're listening to this, um, also Don't worry, he's not. Worry well, he's you know, not. you'd be surprised. Kind of another quickie aside here is yeah. um, I had recently run into a situation where I was interviewing uh, a dev candidate. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that I've ever had a candidate know more about me than I know about them. Really? And it was wow. via this very podcast. And my what? what? Right? Drops the mic. <laughs> I'm out. Celebrity action going on. Too here. famous. <laughs>
You sure he didn't get your name in advance and like looked on your LinkedIn profile or something and saw likely. the podcast and listened to it only after he knew he was going to be talking to you? Well, if that's the Not case, not listened... bubble or anything. But... Well, understandably, right? Because the <laughs> the blog post that this person mentioned was actually within the last week. The mm-hmm. harder one is having to plow through all the episodes to link up with things that we've talked about in terms of interviews. And yeah. So did, did he pass the quiz? All these other different topics. Did he pass the scattered quiz? about throughout oh, the, really? the episodes? Huh? Wow. Oh, he did his homework. Did he get the job? I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Thanks for playing. You didn't know how to do the, the nerdy computer science quiz thing, right? I, I, didn't say, I didn't say year and A, and by recent, I'm not giving a specific time frame. Yeah, Attaboy. Yeah. Oh, Lawyer yeah. up. I get it. <laughs>